1: All right, everybody, here we go. Sports Cards Live, episode number six. It's a special edition, a special tribute to Expo edition with my guests, industry insiders, Steve Menzi, who is the owner of the Sports Card and Memorabilia Expo, and Chris Carlin, who is the head of customer experience at Upper Deck. When you're talking about industry insiders, these guys are deep. It's an honor to have them both with us. Before I bring them out, though, just a couple of uh, housekeeping announcements. So, Tomorrow is going to be the first ever upper uh, sorry tomorrow is gonna to be the first ever sports card live showcase, a Toast to expo gonna be running from 6 till 10 p.m. eastern time. Gonna be hosting 10 of my favorite expo vendors. And just so you know, I have like 50 favorite expo vendors, but this came together pretty quickly. I couldn't get everybody involved. So no offense to anyone who's not here, no slights. We'll get you next time. So we've got about ten guys coming on tomorrow, showing cards. We're going to cycle through. It's going to be pretty awesome. Then on Wednesday, joining me is going to be a gentleman by the name of Karn Rye. Karn runs a very popular Facebook group called The Big Three, where he does high-end razes and all sorts of other things in there. Check it out. But even more interestingly, in my opinion, Karn has recently uh, funded a study by artificial intelligence. PhD students at Queen's University who looked at grading cards by computer to really get rid of the subjectivity and become more objective and consistent. So he's going to fill us in on what happened with that study and how it went and what we could perhaps uh, expect in down in the future. So that should be pretty interesting. Aside from that, Wednesdays and Saturday shows on this sports card live show are booked solid now through the end of May uh, and even a couple into June. So lots coming on. All right gonna bring out Steve Menzi again he owns the expo it's the mecca for a bunch of us and Chris Carlin who uh, a lot of people know from Upper Deck so let's bring them on Steve and Chris welcome to the show Sports Cards hey. Live it's a it's truly an honor to have you both I've been looking forward to this show since I came up with this idea thank you both for agreeing to, to join me here it, it's just awesome um, you know we're, we're dealing with the COVID-19 crisis. We're all stuck at home. That's really what inspired this forum. I and mean, I think it's brought on a lot of issues and challenges and perhaps opportunities for the hobby. Um, before we focus in on one of you first, and Steve, we're going to start with you because you're in the Eastern time zone. So, well, Chris is in Pacific, so it's a bit earlier for Chris. Um, before we really jump in, though, I'm kind of wondering, you know, for me, the Whoa, big-
2: Before we jump in, it is great to see you guys. Hey. It's Great to see your faces. And I Likewise, it's going to happen, so that's awesome. I, I actually hope we'd
0: be seeing each other in person this weekend, but uh, yeah, hence the nature of the show, I guess.
1: Yeah, it, it, it it's awesome to see you guys. I kind of feel like I'm sort of at Expo right now, and there's Steve walking by my booth. I turn my head yeah. to the left. There's Chris Carlin up on stage with a mic, yeah, yeah. talking to all the upper deck customers and the the, the patrons of the, of the show. But before we do jump into kind of the questions that I have, you know, COVID nineteen, we're socially isolating. Um, for me, the big silver lining has really been focusing on the hobby, consuming the content and now creating content and involving other people in the hobby. I kind of before we jump in, I want to know what silver linings, if anything, have you guys uh, kind of discovered through the socially I, the social isolation and um, where you really have to maybe be sort of creative to uh, come up with things to take up your time? Either of you, whoever wants to jump in first, we'll start and then we can get into more formal stuff.
0: Chris, do you want
2: to start on the... the hot yeah, I, we've had a, a few silver linings, uh, quite frankly. Uh, first and foremost, you know, in talking to a lot of shops, uh, one of the things that they've expressed to us over and over again is, yeah, we're figuring out how we can sell right now, but please keep getting us product. People want product right now. And I, I'm just so thankful that Upper Deck uh, really was smart about choosing to use a variety of vendors with our production uh, that has allowed us to get product out like Opichi, like credentials, like CHL this next week, uh, and and oddly enough, SP Authentic is tracking to hit potentially in, in uh, at the end of May, early June, which would be the earliest it's ever been out, which is fantastic. But we're also seeing another silver lining is that players have have time to sign right now. We were. Uh, Ice and ingrained were a little hamstruck because it happened right when the NHL said, all right, guys, off you go. And we had product going out to them. So that those two products are, were a little hampered by it because we're, we're working at getting it from a facility, team facility that's closed or things like that. But SP Authentic and uh, some of the other products, have we've had great success with getting athletes to return products right now, which, uh, which keeps products uh, coming out fantastic. Uh, the other thing that we've seen that's a huge silver lining is that uh, there's a ton of activity right now with collectors online, uh, especially on on uh, platforms like Facebook, on on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, people are are going into collecting is a stay-at-home type of hobby, except for the expo, and uh, something that you know you put your collection together. I'm seeing just a ridiculous amount of people finally finishing off sets or putting a really cool display up with a letterman, you know, the, the whole letterman name. It's awesome to see, uh, all the trading that's going on online. And, and, uh, and that this hobby was almost kind of built for that. Uh, the authorized internet retailers, upper decks authorized group breakers as well are doing, are doing very well. Um, and they're getting product out to folks. And, uh, it's just really cool to see how people are, 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 Enjoying the hobby at home. But one other silver lining that we found is I, I'm I'm teaching my kids at home now. I know a lot of other people are. And uh, it's really cool that you can use trading cards as a manipulative to teach educational topics. So Upper Deck put together a uh, there's a hashtag collect and learn. But if you go to our Facebook page, there's all sorts of activities we put together and lesson plans that you can do at home uh, just using the trading cards you know that you already have. And uh, it's really cool that, you know, instead of instead of looking at cards for, gosh, it, it, is it autographed? Is it hard signed? Is it a multicolor patch? Now we're looking at them for truly the purpose that they were to kind of designed for, to appreciate. And and now that you can use them as an educational tool or or a game to play at home, it's, it's really cool to see fans engaging that way. So I know the whole uh, hashtag hockey at home is a big thing with the NHL and it's, it's just really cool to see collectors doing what we kind of hope they would is still enjoying the hobby
1: yeah that's awesome the two takeaways for me there are um the uh you know educating the 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 kids and having them you know there's stats on the back of the cards there's things to read um that's that that one really uh really stands out to me a lot and then of course just the content that's being created Um, And then from a production standpoint and logistical standpoint, I think even the biggest one altogether for me is that you're able to get players to sign, which reduces um, redemptions. And that just makes us all really happy. Steve, anything uh, from you just in terms of the the silver lining for all this, either hobby wise or business wise or just personal even?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree a lot with what with what Chris said, and for me, uh, Chris is very steeped in his roots in the hobby, whereas uh, I'm not. I'm more from the event side of the business, which you know, I'll probably talk about later on. But um, it's really been helpful for me to to see how well to use a bit of an overword overused word right now. Uh, resilient the hobby is, and how creative. Um, uh, companies and collectors are being with with how how they still can continue to provide content and product and and keep people engaged and it really is ultimately to me it, it, I see it as a is a hobby fueled by passion right? yeah. and when you've got that there's a desire to figure out however you need to do it um, so what that means to me is all right um, yeah the, the expo is gone and um, when you look at it from a pure business perspective that's half my uh, half of the annual revenue of the expo Uh, that said it's it's a great it's been a great time for me to get a lot of things done to really focus on better understanding the industry and um, the ins and outs and see where where does the opportunity lie for this Uh, so that's been that's been good on personal side, you know, it's, uh, I kind of tell people, it's kind of been like an extended vacation until I look at my bank account, in which case, uh, I feel, okay, well, not all, not all holiday, but it's been great to have the family time, the, the lesson plans that, uh, that Chris has found have been uh, really helpful. I've looked at those and some other really unique unique stuff. It can be, uh, you'd be a lot of rabbit holes that you find on, on the web, as, uh, as everyone knows. Um, but I, I really try and, I'm really trying to continue to understand um, more and more about the hobby, as I've always done throughout different industries. I always look to other industries to see uh, what lessons can uh, can be ported across. Um, so that's what I've been kind of been doing. And um, yeah, I'm I'm optimistic in general. But uh, you know, as and when we come out of this, we'll be all ready to go. And and I think there'll be a lot of pent up demand, despite the fact that I think current levels of activity in the hobby are higher than probably a lot of people expected, myself included. Yeah.
1: Right on. Okay, great. So my takeaway there is a very expensive vacation for you, and I'm uh, I hope you're I hope you're enjoying it and getting the most out of it. So, so let you know my my first question I really have uh, kind of written out for you is you know what can you tell us about the man who owns this show, which is the mecca, truly the mecca for so many of us collectors, especially those of us that focus on hockey and basketball as a second, I would say. What can you tell us about yourself? What What were you doing before you took over the expo? Uh, as you mentioned to me the other day, you take, took over the expo four years ago. What? Explain to us how you got from, you know, your career took you from where you started out to actually owning this show that so much of us are so passionate about.
0: Yeah, no, and, I, and I very much appreciate um, the opportunity to talk about that. And then as when you asked me that question the other day, I wanted to kind of look back and figure out how, how I got here as well. Um, you know, it's... Uh, interesting threads but um so i, I kind of started i did a, a business degree and you know from there i i kind of went into sort of the traditional channels of uh, you know sales i had a uh, career with uh, the tv for a while in the banking space and then uh classic sales with, uh, with xerox so I, I learned you know skills from both really really well that have served me uh, ever since um didn't last too long in the real corporate environment um i think that's a lot of uh, personality disorders that uh, um, that either have you favored towards that or, or otherwise but uh, so i pretty early on um left that to uh, uh to start off a uh, in my first my first business uh, a friend and i started a um, a niche business in an already niche space we started an apparel company in the in the cycling and, and triathlon world um which was you know, so we built a brand from scratch uh went through all of the, the lessons uh, of brand building and also distribution, which have continued to serve me well. And I though so I totally get it when uh, companies and brands talk about how do you be in mass and still support, um, I, I still call them the IBDs, the independent bike dealers or you know, car shops and so on. how do you to manage that product? And um, obviously the distribution channels since that time have changed to be you web know, versus bricks and mortar and, and that kind of thing. And so um, I always maintain that, uh, The products are largely still the same. People still, whether it's music or whatever you might think, movies, television, people still want to consume music, but they're not going to the record store. They're not buying videos from Blockbuster or renting videos from Blockbuster. Um, So it's more just the the distribution piece. But all all that to say that while I was doing the the apparel business, I followed some passions that, that I had, which is more. Cycling athletics and that kind of thing and um, I ended up doing uh, the Ironman. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that or not, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, It's a, a long day <laughs> on a on a bike and running and stuff and and from there I did an event called uh, uh, The Eco challenge as well um, Which you may not know of that But uh, most of you have probably heard of John uh, by way, Mark Burnett who went on to create Survivor ultimately and uh, um, You know and the apprentice and a number of other things so I actually started working uh, in that space. So I, I very quickly sort of moved into the event space, uh, working with uh, uh, with Mark on EcoChallenge, which is a really incredible, uh, incredible experience. Uh, spent a month in Fiji working on the last EcoChallenge that happened um, and it, I, my hand was kind of forced because I was looking at that point to develop a, a licensing model to get the, the, the rights to that from, from Mark Burnett and I just couldn't get his attention, and it was because he was he was launching Survivor, and everybody knows which way that went. I should have jumped on that brand as opposed to the other one, but um, all that to say that- I would
2: have that, you off the island, Steve. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you say that now, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been in the event world ever since, so either having my own events and or running third party, um, and along the way, I've had some pretty interesting events. Um, in the video game space, I was even in the hockey space for a while. I don't know if you guys would recall there was a show called Making the Cut, um, that Bell um, sponsored Bell and CBC in Canada, and it was about finding unsigned rookies, uh, so giving people a tryout. Um, so, um, so with that, I, I started to continue to try and find my own re- uh, event space again. And, uh, um, that while I was doing that, I was in the video game world uh, again, all comparable traditional, large, uh, large format events. And when I first started with that, we exhibited, I had a young guy that worked, who really knew the gaming space. And he said, well, we should exhibit at this event called Fan Expo, which for those of you that don't know, it, is the, the Comic-Con of, uh, of Canada. Um, and I was just blown away by, by that event. And any of you that have ever been to a large scale Comic-Con can appreciate why. I mean, Fan Expo at its peak was a hundred thousand people over, over five days. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's everything about, you know, the hobbyist. And, uh, um, so I started working with, with on and many from the hobby I actually know Amon because he started, um, as a young 16 year old punk in the, uh, in the sports, uh, hobby. He was literally, yeah, trading cards at hotels and, uh, before there were, even before Al had started this show. So I worked with, uh, with Amon building expo for, for quite some time and we built it extremely successfully. And, and, uh, uh, to the point where um, we took over the entire convention center. I tell you this long-winded tale to kind of bring you to where where, where I'm at and why why Expo. Uh, sure. But we we were forced by the venue because we had so many people. said you got to take over the entire facility, and we were concerned that uh, we didn't have enough um, enough content to do that. So we kind of brainstormed some ideas, and I'm on say, well, why don't we add sports back into the Expo? You know, there's a lot of crossover. I mean, there are a lot of differences too. But there are a lot of crossovers between the two hobbies. So um, back in 2012, we actually sat down with Al because he had expressed some interest in selling the the expo back then. Um, And it didn't work out, obviously. Uh, And we did do a sports event at Fan Expo in 2013. Uh, Deck was there and a number of my current dealers uh, were were there as well. Um, But it only lasted one year because the hobby, the comic side of the, the expo, continued to do well um so well in fact that that a a a large public european company came in and and bought Expo the year after uh I, i went on and ran that for them them for a year and then of course they said okay we got this uh we can do it ourselves versus you know paying you to do it um and so i kind of was looking for something to do i went back to al and he said yeah you know what it's time um and al had al had created this show as you know um from nothing back in the early 90s um and it's done a, a tremendous job of, of doing that. So that's the kind of long winded version of, of how I got to be uh, to be at Expo. But uh,
1: well, I think you know what I I appreciate the long winded version. I think a lot of us who you know, again, it's our mecca. We we were so sad we're not there. Today was a fun day. On on even just on Facebook, various yeah, yeah. friend collector friends were you know it was like expressing sadness and and regret and you know some frustration that we're not all there, you know, I'd be driving there right now, I'd be, we'd be dining, we'd be having some drinks together, yeah. we'd be doing deals, right, like, we'd yeah. all be there together, and uh, we're not, we're all distanced, so,
2: yeah. yeah. It, feels like nice. I mean, it feels like we're together, and, and like you said, with, with Facebook and, and Twitter in particular, that, those connections still happen, it's, I hate, it's not face-to-face, you know, but um, it's still occurring, and it's, it. thank God, you know, that's really, really cool that it's still happening
1: yeah i mean we're so fortunate that these technologies exist you know with zoom meetings where you can get 100 people in a room or just like just like this uh this format that i that i'm using to get all three of us on screen i I, i'm looking at both you and myself i think this is awesome we're 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 hanging out right now and we've got we've got several people watching live as well and they're you know i put some comments in earlier i'm sorry if i distracted either of you with that but i want to i want to get some of the comments up that are that are coming out Um, so, okay. My next question, uh, is for you again, Steve. So when you were doing your due diligence to purchase the expo, I'm, I I don't remember that I wasn't in tune with it, but you must've been at one or two shows prior to you actually signing the deal to, to acquire the show. What potential did you see in the expo from, from the perspective of a potential buyer and someone who didn't come from the hobby background? What, what did, what potential did you see? And how far along would you say you've even come to uh, realizing it in the four years and the the eight shows that you've done?
0: Yeah, a great question. And again, because um, when I was working on uh, with Fan Expo and running that, we uh, we had looked at it back in 2012. So I I had visited a couple of shows back then. I had gone to the uh, the Chicago Suntime show in Chicago as well, uh, just to see a bit more about that uh, the U.S. part of the hobby and and everything else, um, and Again, for me, the uh, don't take this the wrong way. I found the expo kind of boring, um, especially compared to Comic Con. But I also, I I would
2: agree with that too. The other, I mean, the other big thing that Steve did a tremendous job of is that show, the expo. I won't say it it was dying, but it was it was it was shrinking, stagnant. For Steve to come in and and really hustle and get dealers from all over Canada there, and it was. for us as a, as a sponsor, it's been a, a, a real breath of fresh air. And See, we appreciate how much you hustle because uh, now to see that room full is it's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, so, so there were some very obvious things like that. That uh, yeah, it, it cost me some money. I mean, Al was great at a lot of things, and uh, yeah. I was never going to save money from what Al did. Um, so I was looking more to raise the bridge as opposed to lower, lowering the river uh, on that. So I, and that's been my background. I'm a sales guy. I'm a sponsor guy. Uh, so I knew I could. I could increase it that way. Uh, I spent some money to to rent the entire hall, to, to woo some people back and that kind of thing. But you know, back to the point of, of what I was saying, where I found the Expo really boring, th- the same time I went to, um, to Fan Expo, I found it kind of boring. I said, the only uh, activity is really the dealer stuff. Um, and yet I knew through San Diego Comic Con and, and some other things that there were a lot of things uh, that were happening. Um, And and attracting, you know, whether it be the networks or the studios who are bringing exciting uh, or, you know, the game developers bringing exciting new platforms and experiences. So it wasn't just about the buying and selling, though that's obviously the the foundation of it. It was about all the other things that make the hobby what it it was and what it is. So and the Expo, uh, the Sportcard Expo was even more um, old or antiquated than was uh, Comic-Con side of things. Uh, and, you know, by his own admission, I said, look, I've been running this 25 plus years and I'm just I'm, I'm tired and I'm just kind of mailing it in. So he yeah. knew that there was a lot he could have been doing. Um, and, and and, that's that's what appealed to me. So he and I made that happen pretty quickly. Um, and then since then, again, on the plus side, I think not being from the hobby, I was two things. One, I wasn't blinded by it. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't about me being able to collect, get first shot at the cards that I wanted or anything like that. Um, so I was able to, to be really uh, objective about how to grow the business. And and two, um, I really appreciated the fact that the exhibitors are the foundation of the Sportcard Expo. And so I want to listen to them and understand that. So I didn't pretend to know everything that's right. And I think I've always had an open uh, approach and I really want to be um, communicative and hear feedback, good or bad. About how Yeah, how I, mean, they, I can yes. attest
1: to your your success at that. Just knowing you for the four years you've been there, and I've been a vendor for all of those shows. Um, you've been very communicative and open to to suggestion and critique and um, and implementing thereon. So I think I think that's awesome. When you mentioned that, you know, the vendors. Being uh, the core of it, which as one, I appreciate it. Um, the vendors and the 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 corporate sponsors as well. I'm, I'm sure uh, yeah. they they're, they take a more floor space than we do, so they're even um, you know more critical to the the financial success of the show. I'm sure. Um, yeah, that's that's just that's just nice to hear. Guy, lots of awesome comments coming in. I just want to mention to some of you that when you're when you're typing out a, a comment that's like six lines long, I can't get it on the screen, you'll cut us all off. So if you want to pare it down a little bit and save your questions for Chris till a little bit later, we're gonna do- talk to Steve uh, for the meantime, guys. Thank you. Um, Steve, so tell us what it was like back in March, March of 2020, before the world really knew what was coming in the next. Thirty to forty-five days with COVID nineteen and and the lockdowns and the and the, the isolating and all that. Expo was around the corner. Expo yeah. was less than two months away. How are you? How were you managing the uncertainty of what was going to happen with my show? How are you managing that uncertainty? And, and 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 how challenging was that for you?
0: Um, you know, it was. It's obviously become a, a big challenge. And I'd have to say, I was probably late to appreciate how. Big, I mean, I don't think anybody had any sense it would get to where it is. Uh, and I really, um, it was really, it was real, a process for me. I kind of thought, all right, this would come and go, and it wouldn't be that. There was a potential that it could the show could be, uh, we could get through that window, and the show would be back on. I also, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm risk averse, so I, I think, okay, well, you know, this can happen. We can figure out a way to, to make it so, um, you know, this is... Uh, this is a uh, a severe flu and we'll figure it out uh collectively so um and i i took some some negative feedback for that from a few people mm-hmm. and uh, uh you know hindsight i underestimated but this thing changed so quickly and mm-hmm. became so extreme that uh, uh i don't feel badly for for having done that but i so i was at a certain point and it would probably be uh, mid-march and i think you and i even had a conversation back then um i definitely Uh, took a step back and said, okay, well, what I'm looking at what other events are doing in this hobby and in other businesses. Uh, And it was really, we're following the guidelines of what, what the health, um, health community is saying. And they were really saying, you know what, um, this is how we're managing it. And this is the window. And so my initial comment was, you know, currently events in sometime in mid-March, they said, large events are being, uh, um, currently banned uh, we'll reevaluate that end of March and I, I made an announcement to the same to the same effect that I'm gonna wait till the end of March and make my announcement on a, on a go-forward basis and it became clear by a couple of days before that that it just wasn't gonna happen um, so I, I made the decision to I, I called it a reschedule or a postponement because I was truly hoping hoping to do a, a reschedule the summer um, and I was looking for dates and I think Chris I even had probably reached out to you around that to try and see if there was something just on either side of the national that uh, that could happen. Um, you know, and I would say even till two or three weeks ago, I thought that might still, still happen, but that a reschedule for the summer is clearly off the table. Even though some parts of the country, Canada and us are opening up, I don't feel comfortable with it. I don't think it's going to happen here. And even if it technically does, uh, I don't think large events will be perm- permissible. And frankly, I don't think that our audience is going to feel comfortable as I don't expect them to. I mean, one thing about our demographic—we have a lot of guys uh, that are older, uh, you know, with uh, compromised immunity, etc. And it's it just nothing is worth—it's worth risking that. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I, I again, I took the feedback. Uh, you know, some people like the traditional trolls are are not very nice about it, but uh, <laughs> you know, that is what it is. But I had uh, you know, some good, measured, um, responsible kind of conversations with people, and I think again, Jeremy, you and I were so. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's fallen in line. It, is it, uh, it, it's a hit. But again, I think it's sometimes you need a forced um, reset to to really evaluate the business and where the opportunities are. And to your first question of the silver lining, I think there are some exciting things that will come
1: out of this. Sure. Well, let, let's look at what's going to come out of this. So my next question for you, which is a loaded question, because mm-hmm. I do have an idea of how you're going to reply. But do you have any plan Bs? Is there anything new that you might be developing in the background?
0: Yeah, there, there absolutely is. So I've been, uh, as much as I said vacation, I've not been on vacation and I've been you know, looking at more, learning more. Uh, in addition to to the, the expo, though it's the majority of what I do from day to day, I also do some other contract work in the event space, more on the on the uh, B2B side than in the consumer space. Um, and so I've been looking to see what other solutions are there. So. There are, there are a number of events that for some time, and if you look at it, in the tech industry in particular, and you, if you're a fan of, of Gates, or if you follow some of the things he's talked about and, in the tech industry, um, there have been more and more um, uh, virtual conferences and, and that sort of thing. Now, um, a virtual conference uh, or trade show, as I would call it, versus a consumer show, is very different than a show like like the Expo, where it's all consumer-based and so on. Um, but there's a lot of uh, um, th- th- I've been doing a lot of research into it, and there are a lot of exciting new platforms. And uh, um, I'm very, very close, uh, as in a minute and a half from uh, <laughs> from announcing uh, I-, I am going to do a virtual um, expo, a virtual sport card Expo, and it'll be the Sportcard Expo virtual edition, uh, and it'll be coming to us uh, in early June. So there it is. Really, yeah, June fifth to sixth. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and I'm I'm really excited about, about what it represents. Um, and you know, the good thing is, I think that it's <laughs> yet yeah, read the uh, the ticker. Um, it, it's early enough that I think the, the two big things: the hobby is still keen. The hobby is still keen to, to connect and to trade, whether it's to buy and sell or trade, or even just to connect. There's a lot of pent up uh, people looking for that outlet. So I want to be a part of that and. Uh, I think I've, I've got a really controlling package that uh, um, that we're going to put together. So,
1: Well, that's great. So yeah. so the first, the Sports Card Expo online edition, first ever, is going to be June 5th and 6th, as long yeah. as everything goes according to plan. Um, perhaps, you know, there, there's a chance you might have to delay it a week. Uh, who knows? Uh, just with the way things develop, um, I just want to lay, lay that expectation out that things do change to everybody. So, but to, stay, to, to basically check out the website, sportcardexpo.com, watch for that. You know, I know uh, myself, tomorrow we're doing a showcase on here with all, with other vendors, show with expo vendors. I really wanted tonight's show, tomorrow's showcase, and even on Wednesday, I had uh, the mayor of Canada on, who's a, another expo vendor. And I wanted this weekend to really be a, a tribute to expo sort of thing because, again, we all miss it so much and wish we were there. Um, so... You know, along with what I'm doing tomorrow, I've heard there are other people that are trying to organize sort of virtual expos. But I just want to say, I think it's important that you, as the owner of the the actual expo, I think it's important that you're kind of leading that forward and doing something and really going to fill that gap that we're all feeling. And who knows how big that can get and how awesome and how frequent it can be. But uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what that looks like and taking part in that. So, thank you for taking these t- this time of social isolation and being productive and. And thinking outside the box and coming up with uh, with another solution, I think that's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for it. I mean, that's what I'm comfortable with, and what I'm I'm good at doing is to uh, to put the events together. The, the platform is different, so whether I'm in a you know 100,000 square foot hall or in a you know a 12 by 12 MacBook, it's uh, <laughs> you know the experience will. It won't be exactly the same, of course, but in some ways there's going to be enhanced experiences. So I'm looking to replicate as much of what's great about the expo and then to add in some other unique, uh, unique elements. See, I had hoped to have a bit more detail to share tonight. Um, but uh, my, my goal would be to have something live on the website um, by the end of next week.
1: OK, well, well, I know I'll be watching for that and I'm sure everybody else will, too. Here's a yeah. good question that uh, Tim Tim asks. Steve, would you ever consider moving to three shows per year rather than two? And I want you to answer this, but then I want Chris to pipe in and if Upper Deck would take part in a third show too.
0: Okay, well, that's great. And I'm trying to see if I know Tim, because it looks like it would be a planted question for me. But uh, um, so one of the things I've actually been looking at um, in terms of growth is... Are, is a third show a viable option? and part of it for me is just the way that the, uh, the timing of the shows fall. I know I understand why the shows fall when they do, both spring and fall. Um, but the one thing that it doesn't allow us to do is to bring bring current players uh, from from many sports, but obviously in particular hockey. Um, so for a number of reasons, I've been looking at uh, doing a third show. Uh, the answer is yes. Um, the reschedule was actually going I was willing to take a risk on the reschedule. In large part because um i was looking at doing a third show anyway now um you know the, the key thing that has not lined up timing wise is, is what we do with that uh, with upper deck and its product releases and so on and that's something you know, I hadn't even got to the point of being able to uh, to connect with chris and, and the team on but uh, so yeah i mean the, the answer is yes i think there's an appetite for it but it, it's got to be the right thing depending on the success of this virtual thing this could be three times a year, it could be eight times a year, you know, depending on what, um, on what works. So,
1: yeah, I think it, I think you need to talk to a bunch of people and see who, how you can figure out the logistics of the the attendees, the vendors, the spot, the corporate sponsors, extremely important, I'm sure. And, you know, even for the guys like me who travel across the country, adding a third trip, if you have a family could be challenging, but I am certainly committed to my two shows a year moving forward and whatever you're, whatever you're doing online, Chris, anything, uh, to add to that from upper decks perspective?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think it's it's a bit tricky that uh, the, the show, the landscape of shows going forward in the future, we we have reservations and concerns about it. Um, just because I, I think shows will be back and uh, and that'll be great, but I don't know immediately how people's we've now been trained not to be near anyone, so it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see how people's perceptions change with regard. To to going to a sporting event, to, to going to go on a Saturday morning, you know, uh, they're still doing that. But uh, we had actually started some regionalized shows. Um, and of course that had to just come to a complete halt, but we did one in uh, Denver and I love, I love the expo. Uh, it's fantastic. But what we always get grief about is it's always in Toronto. You guys are all, you, you just care about the Torontonians and, uh, I'm in Vancouver. I'm in Montreal. I'm in Columbus. So we really wanted to look at coming up with uh, smaller shows that involve our certified diamond dealers and and have the same type of activities and events, shorter hours, and uh, and to see how that goes. And I think that might be something that we're just going to have to do uh, when when things do go back to normal is starting smaller with some uh, with some events. Uh, and but it's just really important for us to to get all over the place and make sure that that we're sharing the love. And and it, it's it meant so much. It was, I went to Regina, Saskatchewan this year. First time in my life going to Regina. And, <laughs> and uh, I, I went to Kel, Kelvin's uh, shop and he had probably, uh, probably like 50 people in the shop just waiting for a little me, you know. And uh, my buddy Tristan out there had a sign, you know, we, we love Upper Deck, you know. So it it means a lot to people when you go to that. And uh, we're really in a, a, a position of privilege where we have dealers all over the place. It's yeah. important for us to support them, all, uh, to try to find our collectors everywhere, show them the love. But absolutely, we're going to still continue to support the Expo. We love it there. Uh, but for for what we're seeing, the feedback that we get from our fans... They'd like Upper Deck a little bit everywhere. So that's kind of what we're working towards.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the one that stick out to me that you just said was, you know, Vancouver, because uh, I saw you at the Vancouver show in November at uh, Dale's West Coast Sports Collectors Convention, I think he called it. It's a long name. It's probably it's one like, of the uh,
2: longest titles.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a five <laughs> letter show acronym. I we love Dale though. It wouldn't yeah. even
2: fit at the bottom of the scrolling. It <laughs> <market laughs> <there, laughs> you know. wouldn't fit
1: at the bottom. But um, but no, we saw you there and I, I was uh, super, super just impressed and happy that, that Upper Deck may had a presence there because um, that's I think that's an up and coming show. I plan to do that show. I really enjoyed it. It's a little bit closer for me, but um, that was that was a, that was just a, a great show. Um, so, yeah, I hear what you're saying about the regionalized thing yeah. and all that. I, you know, I will just say on behalf of Expo as you know one of the biggest fans of Expo, you know, it brings in people from across the country of Canada. We know we get people from the U S and we get a lot of Europeans too.
2: I've got Yanni from Finland coming in. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Expos. It's certainly something that we all, we all really love. Okay. Well, Steve, that was, that was awesome. Um, I can focus uh, now more to, even though Chris has been kind of jumping in here while we've been going, I do have some sort of set questions for Chris as well. Uh, let me just see if we have any other uh, sort of comments coming in at all. A couple of the guys are saying now with the virtual show, Steve, that, uh, you know, I think I'll be attending my first one too, Name, because Name says, that's awesome. I can finally go. I think that's great. <laughs> uh, Chris, I'm not sure. Robert Wilson says, we were happy to have you here, Chris. you must have been at a show that uh, Robert was at not too long ago.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Barry says that Denver would be a great place for the national, very centralized for everyone. Uh, I agree. It is certainly, in the. it's it's a hub of an airport and it definitely is central in the United States. Uh, Rod wonders if Denver really is centralized. Okay. Awesome stuff, guys. Um, so,
2: Chris. Well, I, again, we were we were out there and uh, it wasn't that, that busy, but uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see.
1: Okay. Um, for Steve, quickly, uh, Corey's asking, how do we participate? Do you want to speak to that uh, quickly, Steve?
0: Yeah, I'll I'll be sending out information through the website and through my usual channels and and through partners. uh, Hopefully, as I say, by the end of next week, Um, but there'll be uh, traditional exhibitor booths, literally, where you'll be able to have a booth where you can video chat. So you'll be able to see as we're doing now um, but with a much larger capacity for people. If I'm an exhibitor, I'll be able to talk to up to 15 or 20 people at the same time if, if you still want to do that uh, and there'll be a main stage still so there'll be obviously it won't be the same kind of guest experience but there will be uh, some pretty cool interactive guest experiences so there'll be exhibitor traditional exhibitor booths and uh, uh, of course being digital all the contact information is then immediate and uh, um, and easier to do tracking and and uh, your, your post show activity follow-up and so on and there will be the option to link in if you've got a webcam to be set up in your own home or in your own store, if you are still working from the store or, and, and, or you can connect in direct to to your eBay store if you've got one. So it'll have all of the, uh, the versatility and and flexibility of of what you'd expect a digital platform to have.
1: That's great. And Corey and anyone else who's curious about how to get involved with the sports card expo online edition, just follow, just go to the website. It's streaming in the the bottom of the screen right now. So, Check out the website. I'm sure Steve is going to keep uh, updating. And once it's up and running and he's, you know, bringing on people to, to join the the show itself, just uh, send him an email or however he wants you to get a hold of him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: Thank that's you. awesome. Um, Peter says, let's have a show in Winnipeg. It's dead center <laughs> of the country. <laughs> then he goes on to Best say. Many- i in. Yeah, Jeremy. You know you want to come back. It is my hometown. I lived there for the first thirty years of my life. Uh, I get back there enough as it is, Peter, without needing to come for a car show. But I do appreciate it. Um,
2: There's great shops up there too. I love bag. Yeah, yeah. A passionate audience.
1: There are some great shops there. I you know I know them, and I I, I do really enjoy those shops there for sure. Um, okay, so Chris, you know, uh, you obviously you know you've, you've talked a lot tonight already about what what upper deck is doing now the what they've done with the expo but you know i know that a lot of people myself included you know growing up you always you always think about people that work at card companies and you kind of want you think to yourself i want to work at a card company one day so for me i want to know if you if you would mind telling myself and the people out there watching kind of what Tell us about your career, your history at Upper Deck. I know you've been there for over 20 years. Billy told me that the other day. We were chatting about it. He told me you've been there for over 20 years. Can you tell us a bit about your the trajectory of your career there? And, you know, what, well, start with that. Start with that, please.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm a lot like everyone out there watching this. You know, I, I grew up with three older brothers. They all collected cards. Uh, it's what we did as a family together. My dad had a pretty cool collection and, uh, luckily for me, they were a bit older. And so when they found out about girls, they left the cards behind and, uh, and I swooped right in there and, uh, kind of inherited them. So I, uh, I love, 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 always loved going to trading card shows when I was younger. And, uh, and it, it's just been a part of the kind of the fabric of my being. And I had just this crazy experience where uh, I was supposed to be a teacher, and uh, and truth be told, I really, really was in those classes because 75% of the uh, the the class was female, so I <laughs> enjoyed that. Uh, and right. after I graduated, I was kind of unsure what I was going to do. You know, it, it's living in California; it's a teacher salary. It's kind of uh, kind of tough. Uh, and I had a sales and marketing internship in college, and I really liked that, but I wasn't going to change my major or my parents would kill me. So I uh, I had a buddy who said, why don't you just come down to San Diego? I've got this huge house. Uh, you could have room for next to nothing. And I was like, well, that sounds great. So I, I just went on the Chamber of Commerce's website just to see what businesses were around there and all the way at the end, because it's the U. Uh, I got to Upper Deck and I was like, holy smokes, is that the Upper Deck, you know? And next day I drove there, with my resume, and I was like, they, they didn't really like people walking in. And I was like, how do I, may I please, what do I do? Anything, anything. How can I work and here? How I, can I work yes. here? Yes. And pretty much that's what they gave me. One of the worst jobs you could have. It was me and two other guys. I'm wearing a suit. They're in like cut off jeans and tank tops. <laughs> and uh, and an athlete had signed uh, the cards with the wrong pen, and they had smeared onto the back of the other cards. The signatures on the front looked okay, but there were smears on the back. So we got uh, little uh, what do you even call those things? Q-tips and put a little alcohol yeah. on them and we yeah. wiped it clean. You're all off. all day long for like three days, but I wiped the hell out of those cards. If you got them on the side, the card was ruined because it would get inside. It was off the UV. And, uh, and then I was like, what else, what else could I do for you guys? And I took a job in our quality assurance department as a, uh, as a temp and uh, was just putting sets together for uh, leagues to distribute. And then uh, an opportunity came. Thank God. Richard McWilliam was always trying crazy weird products and the product that that really got on board upper deck full time was a product called power deck it was an audio trading card uh that we came out with in 1997 and they felt like they were going to need someone who could uh talk trading cards with people and and talk to tech so they trained me on it and uh i moved into a customer uh carrier group and then just kind of worked my way up from there i i became uh uh, working in our sales for our sales team and then managing the customer care team and the sales team and uh, then i moved to las vegas to get that started when we moved out there um, came back after two and a half years in las vegas I can't believe i made it i'm so thank you uh hmm. but uh, the My summers you, were really you, tough
1: you're thankful that you made it out of las vegas alive
2: that's right,
1: yeah. That's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, it
2: was a lot of but man, it's it's a it's a tricky town. Anyway, so uh, it was it was May, and I was going into another summer, and summers there are just brutal. And uh, there was an opportunity for uh, hobby marketing manager, and uh, and I went for that, and it was kind of the perfect fit because I had already been working with shops and collectors, and it was about putting together plans and programs for the distributors, who I all I knew very well. So that was a, a great fit, and then. Uh, I started handling a lot of our social media, uh, do a lot with advertising, a lot of PR, and uh, our customer care group was kind of not doing as well as we would have liked, and uh, our president, Jason, asked me to take that back on as well and uh, to really give it kind of a shot at, uh, in the arm, and And uh, we made some some big changes there, uh, some with staffing, and, and just getting the right People in the right roles and and making sure that we have really passionate people that appreciate and understand and how valuable uh, customers are because, um, is what how we uh, pride ourselves. We're listening and caring for our, our collectors. So that, that's what's where I, that's my 22 years in a nutshell. Oh, wow,
1: that's, uh, <laughs> that's great. It's really amazing you've lasted with one company for so long. I mean. My career is going on about the same length, but I've been with uh, with several companies, so I can't even imagine what it's like to spend so much time for with one employer and and the ups and downs and the challenges. And I mean let's let's be let's be real. You guys are the target of a lot of um, I don't know how else to say it, but uh, complaining criticism. Um, you know, I'm sure it's not easy. You must have some thick skin to be able to be on social media and see the various comments that come out for. On 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 whatever topic there may be, so you know kudos to you for keeping the positive attitude and your energy at the expo is always um, really second to none. You know, Uh, you really it's really it's
2: it's people are very passionate about their hobby. They they it's it's something people invest quite a bit of money, a lot of time in, and uh, a lot of love for. And so I totally get that, and uh, and it means a lot to me and a lot of people at our at our company too. So. we get someone's upset. We get, we understand when someone's frustrated about something. Uh, I just hope that everyone gives us the chance to make it right.
1: Awesome. Okay, great. Appreciate that. So in terms of, uh, you know, you touched on it earlier, but I have the question, so I'm going to sort of ask it again, see if we can get more information out of you. What, uh, what, what are you guys doing now, you know, in terms of COVID-19 to really adapt to it now? And, and I don't mean from a, i guess you talked about it already but not from a show perspective but what else are you doing in in the face of covid19 to adapt to it um maybe outside of what you were saying earlier about you know being able to hunker down and really push out products and get athletes signing anything else that you guys are doing
2: i think uh we've all kind of been challenging ourselves you know it's it's at when you're at home you know there's a lot more distraction so my workday is much different than it used to be. You know, if, if, if I have to deal with the kids, I'm gonna be working at night. Uh, but I've challenged myself to learn some new things. And I know some of our staff has too. I've I've really uh, been working on, you know, learning video editing more. And uh, because again, it's content that people like. So I put together uh, uh, an in the spotlight series I've been doing just from home, uh, having cards shipped to me and, and just showing them off and, and uh, just experimenting with new ways to provide content uh, two collectors. Um, it's funny. I was, I was looking to do something similar with Michael Jordan and, you know, the, the fun that I can have with the video is, is great for the NHL. But when I switched to Jordan, it's, he's that premium high end type deal. So I was like, all right, well, we'll bring in the pro video guy for this, but for the other fun stuff, I'll, I'll do that. Um, and you know, it, again, like Steve's saying, it's, it's really important that we're spending time learning about, options yeah, uh, with regard to how else we can engage our fans because it's uh it's of paramount importance to us um we have had we've been receiving it is the funniest thing like our customer care group is as busy as we have ever been because people are going into into their collections they're going into their garage doing their cleaning and they're dipping their toe back in the water and the random questions we are getting are are hilarious i had one, uh, like a 93, uh, trade card for a, for a set, you know, someone just, uh, uh, emailed me directly and was like, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sent my $4. in. is it still this address in St. Louis, this weird, <laughs> weird fulfillment center? I had, I had to explain, you know, it's, there's a lot of handholding right now and trying to explain, uh, where things are going, but, uh, we're, we're also, you know, working very closely with our partners at the NHL and, uh, they've allowed us to do some things that are really cool. I'm hosting a, uh, a Tuesday trivia night on the at everyday NHL uh, Instagram channel. So uh, it's, it's every two weeks and that's been a lot of fun to engage their audience and show cards and uh, do trivia just from the back of trading cards. Uh, we're going to do an upper deck version of that on the at upper deck sports uh, Instagram this week. So definitely check that out Tuesday, Five o'clock Pacific, eight o'clock uh, Central or uh, Eastern. And what are we going to be looking at? The CHL. new CHL. Yeah, I got it before everyone. I just picked this up today. So uh, I'm pretty stoked to show this off and uh, and uh, we'll have some fun with this product. Uh, it's going to be interesting what happens over the next two to three months. In in talking with the NHL, they are one hundred percent committed to finishing this season. Yeah. And it's gonna be different, you know, it, but it's gonna be really cool and, and a lot of fun. Uh, when did did you like you playoff, back. hockey back. Sorry. I'm I'm happy.
1: When did you when did when did you last speak to them? And uh, like when, how recently did they tell you that they're gonna finish off the season?
2: uh i talked to them yesterday morning uh their plans are 100 to to finish it off they they haven't been uh 100 uh you know they're not telling us all the details but it said hey th- someone's hoisting the cup it may be in july or august but it's gonna happen so i'm i'm super excited about that they're talking about doing uh, a tournament uh and probably in just a couple cities uh so gosh that would be so fun but, it's going to postpone things it, right now we we should know who's going to have the number one pick next year. You know, yeah. the, the uh, draft lottery should have should be happening right now during the playoffs. So uh, that's delayed. Uh, the draft is absolutely going to be delayed. Um, it'll probably mirror what we saw with the NFL, which I thought was kind of fun seeing everyone's uh, everyone's homes, all the draft picks yeah. homes and, and uh, what they're eating and what they were doing. But uh, the, 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 Frustrating thing, I think potentially is that they they're probably going to delay the start of next season. So um, that impacts everyone on this call and everyone watching because Fall Expo is Upper Deck Series One Young Guns, and yeah. if they are not playing in uh, October, uh, that's going to delay that product and, and delay, quite frankly, several others. Uh, so we have to figure out with the NHLPA with the NHL. Uh, do we make special circumstances this year? What do, does everything just get delayed a bit? So that's that's really uh, giving me some anxiety. Is I I know we're going to get through the what's happening in the near future, and and watching the the Stanley Cup playoffs will be a blast. Um, but it it concerns me what what it means for next year, and sure. and it's tough because we have just and one of those generational. Uh, rookie classes next year with Alexi Lafreniere, Quentin Byfield. There's there's a few others, and it's 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 crazy. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens not next month or the month after. What's going to happen in six months and how is the NHL going to lay out the next season and and how will other sports leagues do it too? I I uh, I know that in LA they they're not uh, they just canceled concerts through. I think it was through uh, October. So what's that mean for the NFL season? So there's going to be a lot of moving parts and things are going to be, uh, be interesting, but uh, our team is still working hard from home and uh, making do with what we can with uh, this COVID situation. And um, it feels like it's we're getting closer to going back to work, but um, I'm just interested to see what happens with hockey.
1: Yeah. yeah. Until you're at work, you don't really know when you're going to get there. Okay. There's a here's a really good question from Ryan. Our friend Ryan asks, Is Upper Deck planning anything with our exclusive athletes? Much like TOPS has recently done with Derek Jeter. Can you speak to that at all, Chris?
2: Well, we've been having, I don't know, if you follow our social feeds, it's it's really cool. I, I spoke about the collect and learn program earlier, uh, where we are doing, you know, lesson plans and activities. So We had Milan Lucic opening packs with his daughter. And uh, we've had a couple other players doing that. And uh, it's just, it's really cool. So um, that's one thing that we've been doing. But yeah, really with regard to uh, some of our exclusive spokespeople, uh, the biggest thing going on right now is Michael Jordan and uh, the Last Dance program. And we get another, we got another, uh, uh, episode. I think we get two episodes tomorrow, uh, but it's that show has been amazing and just a lot of fun to watch. And the interest and demand it has caused with regard to uh, his collectibles, I know if everyone watches them, they've they've been soaring. So I, I can't remember a, a documentary doing this for anyone. It's it's a bigger spike than a Hall of Fame induction. So what uh, <clears throat> we're, we're really doing is we're we're trying to work with him in any way possible to kind of promote that and, and do more with that uh i saw the uh cheater thing i think that's cool um really right now it's about what our athletes are comfortable with because we'd like to be doing a lot with them uh online and in a digital uh, standpoint uh but a lot of our signing sessions have been delayed or they want uh, additional information about it so it's uh it's tricky
1: Okay. Well, that's a great segment into the next question, which comes from Victor. This is for you, Steve, any concerns over the larger name athletes, not wanting to participate in signings in a large group setting. So for your upcoming uh, physical shows.
0: Uh, Absolutely. I mean, this is one of the things that's going to, uh, we've got to decide what's the new normal going to be. Uh, Are they going to be comfortable? Are they not? And um, so it's hard to say, and it's going to be different for everyone, but obviously it, i think we need as an organization to follow uh, the health guidelines first and foremost and then it'll be some people will be comfortable with traveling some won't um but i think again back to the the virtual expo first of all we're going to do some experimentation with different kinds of, uh, uh, of player experiences um so one of the things that i did learn from the comic-con world is that uh, you can go a lot deeper in player experiences i mean with the web people think that they have all the information in the stories well they don't i mean the first one of the things I introduced at, uh, at SportCard Expo a couple of years ago was the, the main stage. Um, because I often, one of the great things about any Comic-Con is you get to hear firsthand from, from the guests that are, you get to hear um, you know your, your heroes. Uh, Will Shatner or whoever you're, you're a fan of talk about all, all the great things that they've done over their career and the behind the scenes stuff and um, stuff that you just can't get anywhere. And it's such a cool experience. And I really wanted to bring more of that um, content to, uh, to, uh, and more of the experience to that. So I really want to exp- experiment with that as part of this virtual expo and give people a chance to uh, to do something different. You know, as Chris pointed out, yeah, the players are like we are, they're sequestered at home. And so I think more of them will be willing to engage. And I've seen some really great things uh, on the web that uh, different people are doing. You know, uh, Barclays auctioning off a big part of his collection to help his hometown and build some homes there. And there's, there's an infinite number of examples of people doing things like that. So. Uh, I think the, the, you know the time is ripe in many ways to try some of these things, but no question. I mean, the traditional signing is uh, is potentially going to change um, at, at least for the short term. So,
1: for sure. The next, okay, great, thank you, Steve. Next question comes. This is for you, Chris. This comes from one of your colleagues, Billy Stelio. Chris, is <laughs> it true? Is it true you miss Billy during quarantine, asking for a friend? Do you miss Billy, Chris?
2: I miss Billy a lot. I really do. Billy's fantastic. Uh, the whole product development team, I, you know, I, we're really privileged to, uh, go somewhere where you like everyone you work with. And, uh, I think that's definitely the case for me. I, I consider everyone, uh, their friends and Billy loves the expo was more than, more than a lot of people. He's, he's as passionate as, as uh, a lot of the collectors cause he's a collector himself. I, he, I was, we've seen some really good, uh, activity on upper deck EPAC, uh, Obviously, because people are at home and uh, it's t- difficult to get to shops. So uh, I was just sharing a report the other day about the the huge spike in activity with Upper Deck EPAC. And if you've never checked it out, definitely do. It's a cool thing. It's a cool program to to use while you're you know just chilling at home. Upper Deck You can open up packs and uh, trade with people around the world and, and, uh, and store your well- collection
1: while you're mentioning epac i'm putting up the the ticker that says upper deck encourages your local card shops many are I, am, I, am, I know but we have, oh. we
2: have we have different streams of commerce and i i love my shops and that's that's the most important thing is support your uh, lcs but I, I billy told me i i sent this report out here's what's going on with epac and uh he's like i'll tell you what's going on with epac i'm spending way too much money on it because yeah. uh, again it's uh, it's a fun way to to just past the time so sure. yeah i mean he's uh he's great because he's he's a collector himself so I, yeah. I love that we hire we've we used to not hire uh collectors as much because there was a fear of uh conflict of interest um but he has a great insight and and, and uh we have another guy named jt stroznik who's fantastic that has that that insight um a lot of our staff uh i i'm really privileged to work with them. so it's a it's a fun place to work and a uh, great camaraderie there
1: yeah. And I agree knowing, you know, even Tony and Diane are a couple more raw, um, Randy. Come Diana, to yeah.
2: You can't say the expo without Diane. No. She's fantastic. On no. yeah. the UDA side and uh, Grant Sandground hasn't been to an expo in a while, but he's another one of those with just this incredible, he's forgotten more about trading cards than I could ever hope to know. And uh, it's a, it's a privilege to work alongside someone well,
1: like that. So Billy, who's quite, Billy's going to be my guest on sports cards live on May 30th, an episode, just me and him. So, I'm excited to have him. Everyone, tune in. Can't for that. wait to Billy. ask some questions. Billy, Billy, what's that?
2: Can't wait to ask some questions of yeah.
1: him. <laughs> you can put him on the spot. Billy's Billy's a brand manager. He builds products. He's going to tell us all about what it's how how you build a product from scratch. We'll get into the forms and all this that I don't understand. So I'm going to try and get him to dumb it down for all of us uh, when when he is here. Speaking of Grant Sandground, he, uh, a gentleman I, I do know too, Chris. If you could let him know that I, I'd like to get him on here as well. Uh, maybe in, in June, possibly It'd be awesome to have him on the show. I'm going to run through a couple of more comments that have been coming in. Barry Grice, Chris is an absolute beacon for UD class of the company. I can't say I, I would disagree with that at all. Brett, Brett, I think this is for you, Chris. You've touched on a couple of words, creativity and innovation. It's great to see new paths being explored. And I completely agree with that. Here's a good one. Um, I don't know how to say that name, but Chris, uh, could you comment on the impact of COVID on redemptions? Uh, they're already delayed. What, what, what's the status there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, we had, we've done a really good job getting MVP and artifacts, uh, redemptions printed earlier. Uh, they used to come out around May and then we moved it up to about, uh, March and, they were ready to roll right when this situation happened. And uh, we've had staff slowly, slowly doing stuff with it to, to try to prep for it. But the, the shelter in place order, we're, our hands are kind of tied with some of the things that we can do. Um, so that's one of those things that we're, we're definitely learning about is how, when we get back to work and a lot of pl- that planning is going on right now is how do we, a lot of people work shoulder to shoulder, you know, when they're, when they're packing items out. So what is our new facility going to look like with regard to how stations are, are are positioned and how, how to keep people safe basically, while we're, we're going through this. So uh, I, I, I absolutely. For those delays, uh, I hope everyone understands that there's nothing we can really do about it, but uh, and luckily hockey's paused too. So it's, they're done. There's a lot of things that have been coming in. And I think that uh, North Carolina hopefully will uh, be able to, to get back in the office by the end of this month and we can really start pushing those out. But um, it's gonna be a little bit because we're not able to to have the, the same way that we've pack- packaged these items out previously. Uh, so they're coming, very sorry, but- uh, um,
1: You'll get gonna, to them as soon gonna... as you can. Yeah. You'll get to them as soon as you can. All right, great. Amit has two questions here. First question, this is Chris. Um, have you noticed an uptick in traffic on EPAC uh, during this COVID? I think the answer is an obvious one. Do you want to just confirm?
2: Yes, absolutely. We've uh, been selling out of some products on EPAC. Um, uh, activity is way up with trading, which is just really cool to see. And it's it boggles my mind. People are trading all over the world. So um, it's, uh, it's really cool. So uh, yes, EPAC is very busy.
1: And his second question. Thanks for that. His second question: Are you guys, do you guys? Do you guys have any plans to offer an online card exclusive, like Topps did recently? He thinks it was a chance to buy Bowman twenty twenty. Anything? Uh, anything online exclusive, perhaps, or like that?
2: No. 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 It's uh, important to us now more than ever uh, to try to find ways to support those those local brick and mortar shops. Um, we're working on a variety of, of programs to do that. Uh, again, we have EPAC because we kind of have to have EPAC and we worked really hard to come up with a a compelling uh, platform, uh, there and and it, it does well, but really for me, I, I work so closely with all those shop owners and, and they bust their butts to, to do things that are really special for their collectors. Um, so when I see manufacturers go direct to consumer on some of those product offerings, uh, I, I don't love it. I know our, our presidents against that. There will be some EPAC exclusive products, and usually that's where the hobby shops have said we're not that into this product anymore. So it'll start to go there, or it's you know we're just trying something new or doing a very limited run and, and trying to uh, gauge gauge interest and and see if there's a, a reason for a product like that to be. But
1: so um, can I throw a can I throw a tough one at you? Sure. How do you got? How does Upper Deck reconcile the? You know, supporting the the bricks and mortar stores, and at the same time having this e-pack, like what's the what what's the, well, yeah, how do you reconcile? No, I,
2: I, it's a it's a moral dilemma. I've I've had some really tough conversations with with shop owners that felt like it reminds me very much of when eBay came out and shops were like eBay is going to be the death of us, what have you. But people learn how to to deal with it, and, and quite frankly. The great thing about EPAC is that shops aren't open 24 hours a day. There's not a shop in every location that someone can. Sometimes you're in the middle of a freaking blizzard where, you know, if you're in Calgary, you know, like yeah. things you're not able to get out. And for us as a business and, and what our partners, our licensors were looking for is for us to be uh, smart and adaptive and to pick up on a way to deliver physical and digital together um, and provide customers with a really cool experience. And EPAC as a platform is really innovative. Uh, Our president is his brainchild and uh, it's, it's awesome to see all the things that we've been able to do with that, uh, that you couldn't do with, uh, you know, just, uh, I mean, products, uh, programs like Upper Deck Bounty came out of learnings from EPAC achievements. So uh, there's a lot of things that we take from EPAC and we learn and we try to push into the hobby. So, um, I get the the dilemma there with regard to you know, it's not right that you're doing both ways. But EPAC is a chunk of our business, and it's a chunk that our partners ask us to reach more customers and sell more product every year. And for now, that allows us to do it.
1: Yeah, you know, I I disagree. I don't think that it's not right that you do both. I think if you're if you're gonna do EPAC, I think it's extremely important that you also support the bricks and mortar, which is what you're doing. So. <laughs> I, I think it's really important that you do both, and I think that uh, the, the the store owners who are the lifeblood of the hobby, and even for Steve, they're a big a big part of Steve's uh, vendor clients. So I think it's important that 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 you well, know you're doing that. And, and going I'm going sure a step
2: further, what you'll never see Upper Deck do, unlike some of our competitors, is that when we're at a show like the Expo, when it's a hobby show, you won't see one poster, one advertisement, anything EPAC. We're there to support those shops, and, and that's just paramount for us. So um, others will use that as an opportunity to uh, share their digital platforms. Uh, we will do that at a at a, a sports event like uh, the NHL Heritage Classic. We'll, we'll talk about EPAC there because we're seeing fans that, you know, might not know much about the hobby, and opening up a digital pack each day is a great way to learn. So uh, that's what you'll see from us with regard to that.
1: And you know what I – I, I just had the idea. if you're if you're a tr- if, if EPac is actually attracting new collectors, new sports yeah. fans into the hobby, do you guys have a strategy to then convert them from EPac into LCS or bricks and mortar shop customers?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing our our marketing plans now because we have different streams of commerce, right? We've got EPAC. we've got the upper deck We've got uh, authorized internet retailers, authorized group breakers, certified diamond dealers. And it's a lot of pivoting. And, and we have retail, of course, huge, huge distribution. So uh, a lot of our programs are designed to Tim Hortons to take people here and get them here. And and there's a lot of uh, it almost looks like a game of Candyland, all the different ways <laughs> that we try to, to engage fans and get them to move from. All right. Well, you just experienced Tim Hortons. So why don't you go to a hobby shop for a trade night? And we love when shops do those events because you get them in a shop and then they can learn a lot more about uh, what's happening with the hobby. So yeah, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of different customer journeys.
1: Sure. Okay. going to run through a couple comments here. Derek's very excited for the CHL product. So is Paul. That's great. It's not, yeah, it, it looks nice. It's not for me. I like NHL cards, but I'm glad people out there like CHL. So, you know, should hey, I open a pack? Go ahead, go for it, open up a pack. While you're opening it, Chris, while you're opening it, one more question. Uh, Don't eat plastic. Are Patrick's asking, are your troublesome signers, and I think by that he means maybe uh, the ones who take a long time, are they starting to return more cards now that they're stuck at home and have nothing to do? I don't necessarily love the assumption they have nothing to do. I think people find ways to stay busy, but are, are you finding that you're getting more cards returned now?
2: Yes. I talked about it earlier. The, the issues that we had were just the abruptness of how it ended. And so a lot of packages were hung up at, uh, with agents or team facilities and places that were shut down. So our talent acquisitions team has been really busy trying to pick those up, get those to the right place now where athletes are and, uh, and we're starting to prep for. All right, now let's be careful about sending something now because I firmly believe that training camps will be uh, starting to open late May, early June. So um, it's it's important for us to keep our fingers on the pulse of where people are going to be, so we can continue to to get them uh, get them signing. All awesome. right, CHL, real quick. I like to do three packs down on the left. That's just me for a starter. <laughs> So again, we're looking for uh, Alexi Lafreniere. We're looking for those Quentin Byfields. Got to go to the line. La- oh, this looks great. What I like about it is you're getting a lot of cards in the pack. So, you know, for uh, there's so many uh, teams in the CHL, you have lots of options there. Um, Draft really. ready is one of the inserts. Very nice. So, but it's it's a big set, and what I like, I, what I, I've had so much fun just. Uh, Getting, getting base set stuff and having giving to my son and say, put together a set, you know, and, yeah. and uh, it, it's, uh, it's a crack up watching them. I've got five doubles. What's going on with this dad? You know, so I, they're complaining at home too, about uh, oh, collation and things like that. But um, yeah, know. we'll, we'll, I'll uh, do a full preview of CHL on, uh, on Tuesday night at Upper Deck Instagram at Upper Deck Sports. So uh, definitely check that out.
1: Cool. Steve, you know, we're just talking about the CHL. Obviously the NHL is super important due to you. The Toronto Maple Leafs drive a lot of collectors, especially where your show is in the Toronto area. I'm curious, does the CHL have, uh, is it something that you really consider or take into account when you're planning shows and looking at sponsors or vendors or, dis- or other entities to display at the show? Have you approached CHL? Is there any relationship there?
0: Not, not directly. Um, uh, but it is something that, uh, that you know. That Chris and I have spoken about in terms of uh, how to how to leverage hockey partners, and and certainly yeah, what I,
2: I love the idea of of an expo where you've got CHL there, where you've got CFL there. Yeah, and we've had CFL players before, and where you've got uh, uh, Hockey Canada, and where you've got Tim Hortons, and uh, you've got Canadian Tire. So. Yeah, I, I think there's there's still tremendous opportunities with uh, the Expo. And, and uh, I know Steve and I have our, our hopes about what the show can can be, and, uh, and we hope to work very closely with him to, to get there. Yeah, and when, when
0: I'm looking at the prospects and everything else, it's, yeah, who who in the marketing, whether they're endemic brands or non-endemic brands, uh, do target hockey as part of their outreach. And certainly other leagues and the other sports are, are a great and obvious fit. Um but likewise, you know, the, the Tim Hortons, the Gain tires, the um, you know, the banks, all, all the individual companies that uh, that support hockey can yes, be involved. Yeah.
1: Still, okay. Still on the topic of CHL, with it being released this week, Chris. When will the uh, checklist be issued out to the various hobby uh, sources?
2: Uh, Monday, if it.
1: Okay. There you go. Well, Some
2: received it already, but if it's if it's not out yet, I'll make sure we get it out on Monday.
1: Okay. Thank you. And has Upper Deck looked into setting up at the CHL's Memorial Cup at all?
2: Well, we always hear from uh, players players Trice and Kelowna. They they were uh, really excited about that. Um, Yes, uh, we have. uh, uh, It hasn't happened yet, but we've been working really closely with the CHL and they want to do a lot of stuff around this particular release. So um, I've got a few things in the hopper that we'll be sharing next week.
1: Awesome. Okay. Terry can't wait for his Lafreniere young gun, so that's nice for uh, you know, for the next series one that, uh, that that ends up coming out for sure. Um, here's a question from Will: Does Upper Deck have any plans to help out local card shops once things start to return to normal? I think you know I, I'd like to tag on because this is an Expo themed show. Uh, you know what else? You know Upper Deck is planning to do with with Expo, perhaps to maybe. You know accelerate getting back to normal i think we've all heard of the concept of this new normal but i think a lot of us are going to miss and want to see expo be a, a semi somewhat of a normal expo um can you speak to that chris
2: yeah we have a program a the only program a company that offers uh co-op dollars to uh shops mm-hmm. and that's to improve their shop to open up a, a second or third or you know fourth store Uh, or to improve their website. And really what I think this has taught everyone is that uh, this might not be the only time that this happens, you know, like we have to prepare for when the next COVID-19 happens. So uh, I think it's a real wake up call for retailers to uh, make sure that you have that online presence, not just in social media, but in terms of uh, what's your website look like. So that's really where I think our, our, plans and what I'm going to try to attack with shops is let's spend some dollars to try to get your website functional. You can work on methods of distribution. Uh, you can work on, uh, uh, we'll, we'll help pay for, uh, you know, shelving or things along those lines. So you can have a, have a distribution facility um, in, you know, as part of your store. So that's really important. I think that retailers now we're, we're, we're learning that, You've got to have an online presence as well. So I think that's going to be really important for everyone, and and we'll absolutely spend there.
1: I I agree. I'm going to give a couple of shout outs just to some of the guys I know they're doing this Um, locally here in Calgary. Mike at Eastridge, you know, I was chatting with him. They're spending a ton of time scanning cards to get them up on their website because they have the time now, and he's, you know, they're getting, he's got over a thousand cards on his website, erhobbies.com. Also, um, uh, Jason at Player's Choice in Kelowna with him and his, his uh his his partner there what they've now done um you know and i think they won this the upper deck social media award re- at, at the recent um
2: they were one of our uh, the top retailers of the year so yeah and great. i mean
1: he's doing online auctions on facebook lives several times a week and you know i, I watch and listen to them and you know it was a little bit here and there and uh it's pretty cool what different people are doing you know Darren up at Maple Leaf Sports here in Calgary yes. he's on curbside pickup you know Mo is Mo at West he's always online doing breaks like these guys are these guys are hustling and they're feeding their families and absolutely and they're serving their customers and they're really innovating to come up with ways to uh you know to fill the the, the revenue gap and it's super important and so the more that you guys help them, um, the better it is for the hobby. I, I, you know, I'm super impressed by that. Um, here's a funny one. Amit says, Chris, you need to accidentally speed Michael Jordan, Blackhawks crossover card. Maybe get him to sign with Chelios to do a, do du- a dual scene. Great. Amit always has the you best know, ideas.
2: Of, yeah. One <laughs> of the coolest things I ever had Jordan sign was at a diamond club event. I had him a Blackhawks jersey. Only one I've ever seen him do. And, uh, we gave it away as a one-on-one to one of the uh, the members there that night. So uh, that was a really, really cool piece.
1: Cool. Here's a question. I want, we'll start with you on this one here, Steve. <clears throat> Amit also asks, have you felt pressure from the card grading community since there's been some grading scandals lately? Um, just curious if there was any collateral damage that crossed over to you. So, I mean, just to put some context the big companies there have been there has been some controversy um we just w- i'm not going to get into the details but has have you felt any of that or are these guys still looking to come up um i know beckett does grading submissions at uh, the expo psa has been there a few times and except accept, accepting submissions any uh any fallout from that for either of you guys steve
0: uh, for me, not. But I'll, again, I'll, I'll start by giving the uh, disclaimer that I, I'm not a hobby expert, and so I don't fully appreciate the intricacies of, of, of grading and all that it means, and you know, the history, uh, history, or even some of the current things going on with it. You know, that said, I think part of what this has done is shine a spotlight on the industry. And any, anytime you do that, there's there's good things and there's bad. Uh, but what I'm finding is that um, you know the, the big players seem to be more interested in in getting out and trying to get ahead of, or at least to get on top of the um the stories and their their messaging and and building their brand so from you know, personally what i'm seeing is that they want to engage with the audience more and expo is a great way to do that but beyond that i can't really comment to um
1: bear you know Fair. thank thank you for that for that reply chris My you know it's related but a little bit different my question for you on grading is does up when upper deck is packing out products when the the, the printing vendors that you have the production how how much do you guys think about how cards are going to grade in the secondary market after they're released from those upper deck foil packaging?
2: Yeah, that's really a good question to ask Billy, because they do, we do a lot with black bordered cards, which, you know, are just they grade really tough. And, uh, and I think that it's not, that they're sadistic. They like that. uh, Some of our product development team likes that there's going to be, you know, fewer, you know on some of these cards rather otherwise we just do white-bordered everything if we wanted to appease the the card grading community So, um, it's a tricky one. I, I think there's a lot of different uh, With regard to product development, they know they have a real strategy with regard to w- what cards which set we want think that people are gonna grade How do we want to attack that and, and I'd highly recommend talking to him about that because that's 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 his wheelhouse
1: Will do will do for sure Art's asking Chris with the CFL delayed, is there a contingency to do a deal, uh, to, to deal with the release or not? Is there a contingency to deal with?
2: Well, we, we 100% want to have a CFL set this year. We're planning on it. Uh, it's just, we got to get those guys on the field. So, uh, right.
1: Yeah. Okay. Here's a great question. I love this one. Chris, what percentage of hockey card sales are in Canada versus the U S versus Europe and Asia?
2: Uh, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but, uh, uh, Canada is is the, the big daddy there for sure. Um, USA sales, I think, are, are... It would be best to say that they're regionalized. Uh, and, uh, you know, Boston's going to have a lot more collectors than uh, I would have in here in San Diego. Uh, but I'm really seeing a, a tremendous amount, and we're seeing a lot with EPAC, is this collectors in Australia and Asia and uh, Europe. You know, they don't have a lot of shops options there uh, to buy something online, the shipping is (laughs) crazy. So, uh, EPEC's been a really good growth area for us, uh, overseas, uh, and even down in Latin America, believe it or not. So, uh, it's been really cool to see have there. And I personally went to the, uh, the global series in Sweden this year, and it was amazing to be able to, to, to share the hobby with, uh, with that fan base and, uh, And to do uh, a couple uh, events, Uh, I went to a trading card show on Sunday after everything had finished up. Uh, Very eye-opening and awesome. And and they're just as passionate as we are here, you know. So um, there's a lot of growth that's happening uh, overseas uh, because of EPAC and, and because of some great distributors over there. The
1: Europeans really love their homegrown talent. That's for sure. Especially the guys that make the make the trip all the way from Finland and Sweden over to to the Expo twice a year. These guys are as committed as as a They're lot of so us. Proud Canadians of you guys. Are. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, absolutely. You know, our, my buddy Ralphie he says he's sad to see uh, sad to miss Jager at Expo. So, building off of that, Steve, has there been any plans to kind of reschedule any of the guests that that were scheduled to come? for the maybe the fall expo. And I know yeah. it's going to be really contingent on how these guys are, are living their lives out, you know, within COVID. What are your, uh, any, any, have you guys worked on that at all?
0: Well, um, y- yes. And I mean, Jaeger is a, a huge disappointment to all of us. I mean, talk about a global unifying force in the sport. I mean, um, more than any other guest, I had a ton of uh, interest inquiries, and even you know, started off the sales to people from England and and uh, Australia. I think even, but all, all over the place. So, um, and just the fact that he's such a, a character and a pretty rare uh, appearance, so that's huge. Uh, I know with him specifically, he's not available for the the fall show. Um, it, it was the first question that, that we asked, um, and you know, to Chris's point, I, I'm as as concerned that. Uh, yeah. November is still going to happen as, as usual. But I think it's we we definitely would like to, to have as many of the same guys that are available, but um, it's too early to even try to book. I mean, like I said, I was hoping to do a rescheduled event in the summer uh, and I started to talk to some of the guys and some are available, some aren't. Um, and so, yeah, I can't really at, at this point speak to any of the uh, uh, the potential guests. Uh, certainly it's where we'll start. Uh, uh, but uh, that the November weekend, as you know, is, is away from uh, um, is part of the Hall of Fame induction weekend, which is why we do it. And that opens up other opportunities that may you not know, have otherwise been available.
1: Right. Back to the grading question. Thanks. Back to the grading question. Billy says we stay away from black borders and coil borders. So um, that's one way that you guys might cope with. Well,
2: uh, uh, border, borders on ingrained, Billy.
1: Yeah. And, and Deck black. Wasn't there a product called Black, Billy? Yeah. Artifacts has some foil borders too. Huh. Okay, Billy. Well, you you, you can come on yeah. and defend yourself on May the, uh, May the 30th when you're scheduled to join me here. Um, our buddy Name says they're lucky to have Player's Choice in Kelowna. They've been so good to me as I've transitioned here. That's awesome. Chris, here's another one for you regarding patch faking in the hobby. Have you made any steps towards stopping this from happening? Maybe a different adhesive to destroy the card if the patch is tampered with? And Chris, you and I go... We go back 15 years on on fake patches already in terms of my involvement in that and trying to really combat it. And uh, where where has where has upper deck or what has upper deck accomplished really since I came to the pack out in 2009? So we're we're 11 years ago. What what strides have have taken place since then?
2: There have been some uh, things done, uh, some technologies uh, incorporated in the manufacturing process that make it much more difficult than it used to be to, to swap out patches. Um, the cards are sandwiched, you know, It's there's not a, a thick card stock that you can come up with and patches are thick. So you have to make it kind of like a sandwich. Um, but uh, I, we have something really cool that our president has been working on uh, that I'm hopeful we'll be annou- able to announce in the next six months. So he and I have gone back and forth on this a lot too. Uh, and I, I'm always, you know, I, everything that I hear from consumers, uh, we take it, we don't just in one ear out the other, it's how do we fix this? How do we incorporate this? And how do we make better products and programs? And, uh, this is absolutely top of mind with him. Uh, and, uh, it's something that I, I, I I want to be able to tell you, but I I can't, he's working on something very big that we'll be able to, to share in the next six months, uh, that will i think revolutionize this
1: well that that's really exciting and you know um as someone who has been involved in this really since 2006 when i started building an, an image archive for cup patch yes. turkeys out of 99 you know my biggest yeah. recommendation or desire would be for upper deck to have pictures of all the patch cards that come out of every product and somehow make them make a, an archive like I had, but an upper deck archive with all of your patches so that we can actually go back and verify just like with PSA and BGS, you can punch your serial number into their website and it'll tell you. if this. Yeah, is And I right think
2: one of card. our biggest concerns was handling too much and scanning them. But what we're learning with EPAC, you know, those are, those are real cards you're seeing on EPAC. So again, we're taking some learnings that we get from EPAC and working on ways to uh, uh, provide uh bring some hobby type of significance to them. So, um, this is something that is absolutely in the, you know, in his things to do list. This is something that our president, Jason Mashara has probably at number six right now, I would say. So it's, it's there and it's going to happen.
1: Well, that, that, that's really good to hear. You know, I I've got, I've got some friends who are big patch collectors and, you know, they know that they have fake patches in their collection. So to hear that you guys are going to do something that, that, you know, I hope it can potentially eliminate it altogether or, or at least give us collectors something to rely on to get verification. I think it's really important because we put so much money into these cards and the secondary market is a, is a huge driver of the hobbies you well know. And for our, for us to protect our investment, and I know a lot of people don't like the word investment when it comes to cards, they think, you know, there's, there's the collecting and then, people, a lot of people think there's collectors and then there's investors. I I don't buy it because I'm both. I'm a collector my whole life. It's in my blood. It's, I'm a lifer, but I also know that I invest good money into a lot of cards. And if you invest good money into a card and you later find out that it's got a swapped out patch, that's number one, it's financially devastating. And number two, it might potentially lead you to leave the hobby altogether. So I just want to, really, on behalf of, of all of us watching, all of the, all hobbyists everywhere, um, you know, in the hockey community, because Upper Deck makes the hockey cards. I just want to really, really hit home that this is super, super important to us. So please pass that along to the president of Upper Deck, and uh, we will I be. Will. I'm sure will, he's going to
2: be watching this. Yeah,
1: we will be waiting with uh, we will be waiting on the edge of our seats to see to see what it is that Upper Deck is going to do to really start to help us. Conserve the the value or preserve the value of our of our collections where we have significant funds invested, even insignificant. Absolutely. you don't want, you don't want a fake patch in the fifteen dollar card, and you don't want a fake patch in a fifteen thousand dollar card. So, thank you Absolutely. for hearing me out on that. I just I wanted to definitely uh, get get through that.
2: No, again. no, I, I I agree.
1: I think it's super important. Um, okay, a uh, few more comments that are coming in. Um, what does Carvin have to say? He would be a DP. Okay, I'm not sure. To, I must have missed some things out of there. Um, here's a good question from Scott. Yes, how are cards sent to EPAC? Do you send actual boxes? Just wondering how it's determined which cards end up there. So I guess from when you when you build out a product and you have to allocate to physical to, to the store, to the boxes, the retail, the hobby boxes versus the epac. How do you guys figure that out? And if this is better for someone else, I can ask them that. Yeah,
2: so it's one of the things that we, yeah, one of the reasons why uh, it's a small reason, but it's important, is there's a lot of waste with regard to packaging that happens, um, and as we kind of looked at how can we be a little more green, EPAC was a, a an awesome uh, idea because there's no packaging. Uh, so Grant Sandground, Paul Zickler, a lot of the the team that that build the products and, and uh, engineer them more or less as to how the hits are going to go and what have you. Uh, once everything is uh, produced, uh, a mix is done, so that everything's everything's mixed up, and uh, and we take a percentage of here's what we know we have uh, orders for for uh, physical product, here's what we know we have orders for for retail product, here's what we know we what we anticipate we'll have for EPAC, and uh, that allocation is, you know, they're moved around uh, so that we can... Uh, get them ready for distribution and, and production so uh retail product go, goes through some different hoops there's you know for series one hockey there are, are like probably like 15 different uh skews that we make it's not just hobby and retail there's retail blasters and uh walmart exclusives and tins and you know there's there's just a ton of different products so epac became a different skew and uh, just as we allocate uh, product for retail and just as, uh, you know, retail has some exclusives and hobby has some exclusives, EPAC has some exclusives. So uh, really, it it is an undertaking, I think, for the first year. And now now the team has a good grasp on how to execute that. So um, it just became a, another skew, basically.
1: Right. So, it, so from what I'm gathering, it's the allocations between hobby, retail, uh, all the SKUs, including EPAC, Vary by product. It must have been a little tricky with your very first EPAC product, or or two or three, to really figure out how to allocate that. Um,
2: okay. Yeah, and I think we also heard, you know, loud and clear from shops and collectors, like why it's on there. That should be exclusive. And, and there, there's been a lot of. And uh, luckily, again, our team really listened. So we try to we try to find the right sauce for each each different type of release.
1: Right on. Couple of suggestions for cards you could make. Here's one: uh, DNA cards with locks of hair in the window would be a nice one. Um, this is a good one. Corey says Thornton's beard hair, which actually was uh, was shaved off today. I understand. So that would have been uh, that would be some, something neat to do. <clears throat> um, and here's something Barry says, which I completely agree with. The best news I've heard out of Upper Deck forever. I hate spotting those fake patches. It's disheartening and upsetting. Uh, definitely agreed. So glad to hear that. All right, guys. Well, I mean, any, uh, sort of closing comments here? We're at the hour 32 mark. Um, anything, Steve, you want to add, uh, talk about anything coming up or. No, I'm looking forward
0: to getting the information out about, about the, uh, sport card, uh, expo virtual edition, but overwhelmingly my, my thoughts are that, uh, yeah, between the two of you guys, I've really enjoyed this, um, I love learning more about the hobby, but more particularly, I love seeing how passionate you guys are about this. And, and, uh, you know, passion often cuts both ways, but I, I really see that there's a lot of good listening, um, to the customers and to, uh, uh, to each other. Um, I, I feel great having both of you guys as, as colleagues in the industry. So no, well, thanks for the time and, and for the platform.
1: Well, yeah. And thank you so much for joining us. I, I mean, I think it's really interesting for collectors and hobbyists to get a, Get an insight into you know people that are kind of behind the scenes in the hobby and you know if you come into expo you don't know who owns expo you know unless you do you just you just don't know you come you could you could walk right by steve menzi and now have no idea that that's the guy that owns the expo so i'm really happy that's good (laughs) with that
0: sometimes that's good but uh,
1: yeah sometimes but you know i'm just really glad to help put a face to the to the show for everybody who's watching and I mean, Chris, I don't need to put your face to upper deck. I think everybody knows that you've been there for 21, 22 years already. You proudly wear the logo all the time in the face of adversity, in the face of criticism. Uh, you really are a champ. Like Barry said earlier, you really are a class act. Um, I've always always felt that way. So thanks. Um, so thank you for coming on. Listen, there are a few more comments that whoa, are whoa, whoa.
2: real quick. Oh, shoot. We, quick.
1: we got trivia to do.
2: Listen, one of my favorite parts of the expo. Is letting fans know how much we appreciate him, giving them a little something. And this weekend is normally when I hear, "I love Upper Deck," and when we, uh, when people are shouting out that they won the the raffle, what have you, uh, vendors get annoyed because it's so loud. And I wanted to do a little something interactive with everyone here, and, uh, and Jeremy said it was cool. So here's how it's going to go.
1: I almost forgot, guys. I'm sorry. I almost forgot we were going to do some trivia, and Chris has some. I was going to give like away. It. So. I apologize for that. I'm still new at this whole streaming live thing.
2: I want to send some CHL to people. So uh, you're going to get, if you are the first person to answer correctly, you're going to get an Upper Deck Random Act of Kindness uh, package. Once I can get back in the facility, of course. Um, But uh, CHL will definitely be included. So this is expo trivia. All right. I want to see how well you know the expo. And and Steve... If you know the answers, don't shout them out, but I think I might have you stumped on a couple of these. What is the first name of the hot dog slash sausage vendor who frequently sets up outside? What is the first name of that gentleman?
1: All right, guys, I'm watching the comments come in from both YouTube and Facebook right now. If anybody knows the first name of the hot dog vendor outside of the expo in Toronto, Steve's Joe, let's put it up there. We got a bunch of Dunno's so far. We got a Nick. Oh it's not right. Hey, start guessing random names, people. Yeah. If you want
2: a box of CHL, Is, start. There's a There's a There's a YouTube video with him opening up Peachy packs from 2012 out there. You might be able to find it. That's funny. Uh, the hot dog guy. Well, we got well, a, we've well, got a well, Peter. We got a
0: <laughs> no. Well, we're waiting no. on names. I will show you. We had the uh, the expo cover all ready to go. I've got uh, where, where are we here? Yeah, oh, that's a there. cool collectible. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll have these available, a lot of them.
1: <laughs> so to qualify for this, guys, you have to you have to have your name showing. So if you give a name and uh you are not you didn't go to streamyard.com slash Facebook so we could see your name, you're unfortunately not gonna be able to win. So I don't have a winner yet. Someone
2: uh, um, Billy can't win, by the way. <laughs> no upper deck staff or former staff. You can't win either, Carbon. <laughs> it starts got, with we got the, a rob
1: from eli goes rob
2: eli rob that's it that's it rob the hot dog guy Did if you know i that,
1: can't Steve? what's eli eli rossu uh wins he's the first person who said rob where i can actually read your name so if the other people who said that first uh sorry we're going to give that one to eli okay
2: all right next question uh the expo feature a lot more than just trading cards and collectibles, as Steve knows. What salty treat can I get when I'm wandering the halls from one of the vendors? All they sell is this delicious salty treat. What is that salty treat? Keep your minds out of the gutter, sickos.
1: You got we have it. A get, we have a pretzel. Someone, Jason guesses pretzel. Not a pretzel sausage does that pepperoni came in first does pepperoni salamis came in first
2: i think pepperoni is the right answer first
1: pepperoni is is the right
2: answer what i was really after was beef jerky but um yeah they've got uh salami the meat vendor is one of that's that's when you know you're at the expo when you've got a guy selling your meats giving you samples it's special and one of the Um, old guys too love him
1: So we're going to give it to the first person who said pepperoni. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. Sorry, Salami. Okay. So that is uh, Pierre-Luc
1: Julien is the winner of the second prize. Are you right? All right.
2: right? This is a tough one.
1: We got to remember who wins. I'm going to write it down so we don't forget, Chris.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Um, What restaurant... Would you likely find Jeremy at on a Thursday evening with his crew to get the expo started? What restaurant would you find him at? It used to be Star, it's not Lone Star anymore. It's a trick question. Where would you find Jeremy and a lot of the Hobby Insider crew?
1: Jason Jordan Pringle, Jack Asters. That's right, That's winner. Jason Pringle, you're a winner. And I want to, that's a great question, Chris. And I want to say to everybody watching, you know, Hobby Insider is a website that I've owned since 2012. It's a message boards. um, And we've had a traditional, we call it the pre-expo traditional Thursday night dinner. This has been going on since uh, well before I owned the website. We've been doing this every year since I've been there, probably since 2005 or, or even earlier. And I want to extend the invitation to that dinner to anybody watching my, my new venture, my new COVID coping venture called Sports Cards Live. Um, you know, everybody's welcome to come to the dinner. We have a great time. And Chris always sends people from Upper Deck. Billy's a regular at the dinner and they always bring some packs and we pass packs around and open them up and trade here and there. We have we have a great time. So I want to extend that invitation. I'll bring the products
2: wipes next time. We're, we're good. <laughs> it's going to be great.
1: Next time there's a show and we can all dine together in a restaurant and have some drinks Brief before Expo on the Thursday night, I want to extend that invitation to everybody. Steve, you're even welcome to join us if you can get I out. I know you're probably, to you're to probably uh, very busy.
0: Before you. reaching out to Clorox for
2: sponsorship, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Next question. What bar would you likely find many Expo goers near the show that features billions dancing, fried food, and pretty shot girls? What bar would that be?
0: See, I'm at a loss because I'm always working, but uh.
1: yeah. <laughs> well, let's see if we get someone's got to know this one. What bar will you find expo goers at during the week of expo?
2: It's the name of a California state. Come on.
1: Okay, so we're not going to let the same person win twice. So, Eli, you're out. Barry Grice said, Arizona's before anybody else did. Barry, you are the winner of this one.
2: I've seen Barry there before. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last question for now. Last question. Again, we'll do uh, some more trivia on Upper Deck's Instagram. Tuesday night, uh, 5 o'clock Pacific, 8 o'clock Central for CHL. Follow every day and a instagram uh next tuesday we're gonna do some allure with them for trivia tuesday so last question for now uh this hockey mecca is located in downtown toronto and it's definitely worth the trip if you're at the show and no i'm not talking about real sports or the rogers center
1: what is the hockey mecca that chris is referring to in this question everybody there we go scott nobles hockey hall of fame there's your winner That was quick. Good job, Scott. Tim, you were like a half a second behind there. Ah,
2: sorry, Tim. Sorry, Timmy. All right. Thank you for letting me do that, Jeremy. I love to give back a little bit to the fans. This was really fun. I I, am really appreciative for uh, you putting this together and um, we just look forward to to continuing to engage with fans online and hopefully at uh, events in the future.
1: Well, yeah, Chris, thanks a lot for giving something away to, to my viewers here. You know, I only started this channel three weeks ago and I had like 10 days I planned it ahead and I just kind of said I'm just going to start and see what happens let's see what happens yes. so, so I so far, yeah I mean having you guys on it is really uh, I think uh you know it really it really shows your guys commitment to the hobby I, I really feel and so I thank you for that <clears throat> and um you know I've, I've got a lot I've got a lot of industry insiders coming on the show through the end of the month I've got you know uh Chris's colleague Billy Celio is gonna come on May 30th. Um, I've got, among others, Tim Getch, who owns Calm C, is gonna be coming on in May. Every Wednesday and Saturday, I've got guests booked through the end of May. All people you're gonna to wanna to hear from. Every single one of them, I promise you. And uh, and then into June, I'm gonna have more, more guests booked. So thanks, uh, everybody, for watching. Tonight, I can tell, has been the best viewership that we've had so far. I'm loving doing this. I'm having a ton of fun organizing these shows. Tomorrow, starting at six o'clock Eastern, everybody, we are having the Toast to Expo Showcase, the first ever Sports Card Live Showcase, Toast to Expo. I'm planning to run it for four hours from six till 10 p.m. Eastern. That is three till seven p.m. Pacific. So I got about 10 guys lined up. They're gonna come on. I'll have one on with me at a time. Everyone's gonna get about three minutes at a time to show cards. I really want it to be something where it's like if you were to walk by a showcase at Expo, you would look in, you'd see the cards in there, and maybe something would catch your eye. And if something catches your eye tomorrow that you see, I'm going to have everybody's contact info streaming along the bottom, just like I do right now. And uh, you'll be able to reach out to them with an email or a text message or visit their website, whatever it is, and see if you can acquire that card. It's really just a a taste, like I said, a toast to Expo, but it's going to be a representative sample of what you would see at expo if we were actually lucky enough to have been there for this uh this may expo and if not hopefully we get the spring the fall expo and a lot of those cards if not moved before then will be available then so be sure to tune in tomorrow everybody um please subscribe to the channel so you get the alerts join the facebook group and you'll know when i'm having shows i'm trying to really promote everyone on instagram and everything so just uh, watch for those and um, we'll keep this thing going. Hopefully even after COVID uh, social isolating is over. And um, as long as people want to watch this show, I'll keep on doing it. So again, Steve, Chris, thank you guys so much. It's, it's been a great show. I've even seen some comments saying, you're the best guest I've ever had. No offense to anybody else. It's also my most experienced show so far. So uh, thank you for the insights. Thank you for the the kind of insider information. Putting a face to Expo, Steve, I think is invaluable for us and and i i hope that uh, more people will now approach you and thank you for what you're doing we we love your show we love it thank you so thank you very much chris thanks for what you're doing thanks, so happy to hear about what you guys are planning to do for patch faking thank you for giving um for giving away some products today to to the to the viewers really really appreciate it so and we kill it we're good
2: we love upper deck we love
1: the Expo. We love Jeremy. <laughs> we love Expo. We love it. We love sports cars. We love our product. We love everything. Okay, guys. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks for watching. This video will be archived on YouTube in about twelve hours' time. You can come back and watch what you might have missed. Oh, Thank everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
2: Seeking the truth never gets old.